Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Welcome to the Bread of the Word podcast, a podcast striving to feast on God's Word and let the Bible speak to us all. Let us, as a former generation said, go ad fontes to the fountain and be nourished and sustained by all that God is. Let's dig in together. Hello and welcome back to the Bread of the Word podcast where we go ad fontes to the fountain, to the Word of God, to be nourished and sustained by all that God is as he's revealed himself to us. My name is Tyler and we are continuing through the book of Job, entering into chapter 14. And we've had some really interesting statements um, in Job lately that have led us all over the Old and New Testaments and um, chapter 14 has been no exception to that. I have enjoyed um, watching the Holy Spirit connect dots in these opening verses, and I'm excited to share some of what um, God has shown me in this text. And so without further ado, let us go to the first 12 verses of chapter 14. This is still Job responding to his friends. This is still the long lament of Job that we have in this section. Man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower, and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow, and continueth not. And dost thou open thine eyes upon such a one, and bringest me into judgment with thee? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed in his bounds that he cannot pass. Turn from him, that he may rest, till he shall accomplish, as a hireling, his day. For there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax, old in the earth, and the stock thereof die in the ground, yet though the scent of water it will bud, I'm sorry, through the scent of water it will bud, and bring forth boughs like a plant. But man dieth, and wasteth away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost, and where is he? As the waters fall from the sea, and the flood decayeth and dryeth up, so man lieth down, and riseth not. Till the heavens be no more, they shall not wake, nor be raised out of their sleep. <clears throat> so, a lot of doom and gloom, it seems. It's something very reminiscent of uh, Ecclesiastes. If you've been with Bread of the Word for a while, we marched through the book of Ecclesiastes verse by verse uh, a couple years ago. And it was a lot of statements like this on the brevity of man. You know, that I find this very reminiscent of the opening chapter of Ecclesiastes. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath the man for the toil at which he toils under the sun? 
<clears throat> but back to verse 1. Man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. And so we have three components in that statement. One, man that is born of a woman. Two, he is of few days. And three, he is full of trouble. That he is of few days, and within those few days... He is full of trouble. And we've seen this statement, full of trouble, a couple times in Job. I think it's chapter 5, where he says that uh, man is born of trouble um, as sparks fly upward. <clears throat> and yet, here he adds the qualifier, man that is born of a woman. And so we're not talking about Adam. Because Adam was born from the dirt, from the dust of the earth. But here, specifically, he's talking about the generations after Adam. There's There are sections in this... There are the statements that Job makes here that led me, honestly, to Genesis. And this was one of them. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. We go all the way back to, back to the garden. And we look at the curse. And what God says to to the woman. He says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. I'm sorry, that's to the snake. On verse 16, unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. And, and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat, Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. <clears throat> all the days of thy life. The, the implication there is that something is different now. Because we know that death is, as Paul so eloquently puts it in Romans, is forever tied to sin. That through one man came sin, and sin brought death, and death spread to all men, for all hath sinned. And so here we are implicitly told that there is now death. Thou shalt eat of it for all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. There it is. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust art thou, and unto dust shalt thou return. <clears throat> so right off the bat, man that is born of a woman is full of is few of days and full of trouble. That's the that is the thesis of Job here. He cometh forth like a flower, and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow, and continueth not. There is a there is a temperance. That there is a sense that man is temporary. He does not outlive his creator. That man is a few days. And those few days are riddled with trouble, riddled with sorrow and problems. <clears throat> Just as Solomon puts it, as knowledge increases, so does sorrow. That there is much sorrow to be found under the sun. And yet, in verse 3... He asks a question, and he says, And dost thou open thine eyes upon such an one, and bringest me into judgment with thee? Essentially, why do you care? 
if we are so temporary, we are here for so few days, why does the God of the Universe take mind of us? <clears throat> why are my few days so important to you? Seeing in this, and he says, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Who can bring out of something that which isn't there naturally? There are there are differences, there are distinctions, and everything is according to its kind. Again, hearkening back to Genesis, that at um, you had the the seed bearing plants and the herbs that bore fruit according to its kind. <clears throat> Verse five, and seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. <clears throat> here we we are faced with the sovereignty of God over the brevity of man that though man is a few days those few days are ordained by God that ultimately the time at which Job is on this earth flows from the will of God that the same God who holds the sun in its place in the sky, who holds the earth in orbit around that sun, it is the same God who holds Job on the earth, both by sustaining gravity and by sustaining the life of Job. <clears throat> his days are in his hands. Hence we're told in Psalm 90, teach us, Lord, to number our days. Why? Because the days belong to God, the seasons belong to God. with the enormity of creation and also with the minuscule components like our lives and every animal in the field. Just as a sparrow does not fall to the ground without him knowing, so our days are in his hands. Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. <clears throat> Verse 6, turn from him that he may rest till he shall accomplish as a hireling his day. And again, we are reminded by Job that what he is suffering ultimately is from the hand of God. That while we, we see that there is, there is Satan in this book, ultimately nothing that has taken place has been outside of the sovereignty of God. And so Job turns to God with his anguish concerning that suffering. And he says, turn from him that he may rest. Essentially, let him be. Let me be. Let me rest from the suffering. For there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again. And that the tender branch thereof will not cease, though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stock thereof die in the ground. Yet through the scent of water it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. And so there is a picture of, of new life. That though a tree withereth and die, it can grow again. And there is hope in that, he says. But... Man dieth and wasteth away, 
Man giveth up the ghost, and where is he? <clears throat> Though the tree does what it does, God made people differently. He did not make us like the herbs of the field that produce seeds and bear fruit according to their kind. But he made man differently than the plants and the animals. <clears throat> He says, man dieth and wasteth away. As the waters fall from the sea, and the flood decayeth and dryeth up, so man lieth down and riseth not. Till the heavens be no more, they shall not wake, nor be raised out of their sleep. <clears throat> so here we are confronted with death. And all of its all of its repugnance, all of its all of its carnality, <clears throat> that at the end of the day, man dies. It is inescapable, it is it is not something you can argue with. It simply is. Herman Melville once wrote that it was the core of Shakespeare. And that which we seek and shun is there, man's final lore. The final tale to be told, said Melville, was our death, was the end of the story. <clears throat> and that seems to parallel with what we see from Job, that there is, it seems, a finality, he says, with death. Talks about giving up the ghost, and that's, that's a very iconic phrase in the King James. Most modern translations will say death, bluntly say death. <clears throat> but what... The, the King James translators were trying to communicate through this phrase, give up the ghost, which they kind of coined themselves, was that this thing we call death is not, is not the end, but it is simply the yielding of the spirit back to the God who gave it. And we can corroborate that with some of what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, that when a man dies, the spirit goes back to God who gave it. <clears throat> we see a similar... Um, statement when Jesus is on the cross in the book of John and it says that he gave up the ghost and his last words were into thy hands I commit my spirit and then gave up he the ghost <clears throat> and so the picture here is that the spirit goes out of a person when the man dieth and wasteth away where does it go? That's the question of Job. And the later part of this book will grapple with things like resurrection. We'll see. We'll revisit this again when we get to chapter nineteen. Looking forward to that one. That's one of our. That's one of the most quoted sections in Job. It seems sometimes is Job nineteen, for I know that my redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand upon the earth. But here, we have questions. We have confusion, it seems almost, as to where Job goes if he dies. That is, what we have in this lament is, a man dieth, where does he go? Is this the end? Is this all there is, and there's just the cessation of consciousness? Or does the spirit go to God and continue in some form? And I would say, yes. 
Yes, it does. That the, that the spirit goes back to God who gave it. <clears throat> and I can point us back to, once again, back to Genesis. As we grapple with this. <clears throat> For we go to the making of Adam. Chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. <clears throat> so he... The, the picture we're given in Genesis is that he fashions man, fashions Adam, out of the dust of the earth. And then there's no life. There's, there, there's nothing. It's just... It's a form. And he breathes into Adam the breath of life. And at that moment that God breathes into him, he becomes a living soul. There is something God puts in Adam that wasn't there before that makes him a living being. <clears throat> Likewise, we're given this picture in a spiritual sense in Ezekiel. We look at the valley of dry bones, as it's so affectionately called which serves to us as a prophecy to to Israel for what God shall do in their midst and in ours. As soon as I get there. Ezekiel 37. <clears throat> and so Ezekiel is told to prophesy, and he says, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone, and when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. <clears throat> so it parallels with Genesis 2. That there's a form, but there's no life. And then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon, breathe upon these slain, that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came in into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. And so just through the Old Testament, we're given this picture of the breath of God going into people and making them living. And so death is simply, lock, stock, and barrel is under, can be understood as the giving, as the yielding of that spirit back to where it came. And so with Job, the challenge is not that death is the end. But Job is grappling with where he will end up. Not in a heaven-hell scenario, I don't think. But more from the standpoint of what we see in the beginning of the chapter, with man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow continueth not and dost thou open thine eyes upon such a one and bring me into judgment with thee for who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean not one <clears throat> I believe that Job is grappling with where he will end up if God has afflicted him <clears throat> that the challenge of Job is whether or not he is found righteous if he has, has been found as a clean thing, out of which comes a clean thing. 
And so he asks, where does the ghost go? And we will continue to flesh this out with Job in later chapters as to the righteousness of Job. Because as we've seen throughout this book, Job has not changed course to warrant what he's enduring. This is entirely detached from his character. And so the righteousness that God sees in Job is a righteousness that is not earned. And so yes, God can bring a clean thing out of an unclean. Why? Because it is God who does these things. It is God who purifies us. It is God who declared Job to be righteous and said, Hast thou considered my servant Job? To be counted as Job's servant, to be counted as a righteous person, was not because Job just had the right answers, but because there was something that God put in Job that was cleaner than what was there before. <clears throat> and so we can look at these hard verses like verse 10, but man dieth and wasteth away. Man giveth up the ghost, and where is he? And we can have hope. Because just like the tree that shall rise again, that would be cut down, will sprout again. So we know that when the man dieth, it is not the end, but the spirit goes back to God from whence it came. And those who have been found in the fold of God will be with God. If we go to Matthew 25, <clears throat> just to continue this concept, verse 46 of Matthew 25 says, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. And so we back up to verse 31. But I wanted to use that as our jumping off point because we've been talking about whether whether or not Job is suffering the judgment of God. And here we have two judgments. One for the righteous and one for the wicked. We go back to 31. And when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. And then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous... <clears throat> I want to stress that it's the righteous who are doing these things. This doesn't make this, them righteous, but this is what the righteous did. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when we saw thee sick and in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it, Unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, 
Depart from me, cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungered, or thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, As much as ye did not unto me. I'm sorry. As ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishments, but the righteous into life eternal. <clears throat> and so to parallel this with Job, we've been told that there was a certain man in the land of Uz named Job, feareth God and escheweth evil. And this is reiterated by God to Satan, that no one on earth is like him who feareth God and escheweth evil. <clears throat> and we are... We get a peek into how Job is feeling in the midst of his suffering because his righteousness has been brought into question by his friends, by Eliphaz, Zophar, and Bildad. Ultimately, they have questioned his righteousness as as the problem. Is it genuine righteousness? And essentially, they take the same arguments that we see from Satan, that he is essentially playing the system, that he feareth God for naught. <clears throat> and so we have this divide we had that they're establishing between righteousness and suffering. And Job, in this moment, I believe, is wrestling with whether or not that is true. Because man is of few days. He fleeth as a shadow and continueth not. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. His days are few, and God, would, who is eternal, you would think would not be mindful of those days, but yet he does. And he can, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Who could bring a clean spirit out of an unclean Job, he says? Not one. But God has brought a clean spirit out of a sinful Job. Because the righteousness that we see in Job is not in response to his perfection. It's not in response to his obedience. But it's something that God sees nonetheless. It's something that God has given. Just as he has breathed into Adam the breath of life, so he has provided Job life. And that life shall continue even in death. When the Spirit goes back to God from whence it came, the righteous shall enter into eternal life, says Matthew 25. <clears throat> and so what do we do with this? We do as Job did, and we look to God, who has given us all things necessary for life eternal. Not that we would be perfect people, that we would be forgiven people. We would be people counted in the fold of God as his sheep. 
because we've been made to be his in Christ. And so we look at this picture of death, and we see hope. Because just like the tree that will sprout again, so also shall we be raised. <clears throat> As the waters fall from the sea, and the flood decayeth and dryeth up. <clears throat> Which, right off the bat, we're pointed to the flood in Genesis 6. With the waters that receded and dried up the land, dried up the land. <clears throat> so man lieth down and riseth not. Just as God promised to never flood the earth as He did in Genesis six, He says, "Man goes down and does not go back up." So man recedes. So man lieth down, and riseth not, till the heavens be no more. They shall not wake, nor be raised out of their sleep. But yet, by God's sovereignty, they will be raised by him. Why? Because his days are determined. The number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds, and he cannot pass. That the dead person shall not rise by their own accord. But all shall rise and go to God. In that picture of judgment, we will all rise. And we will all stand before God and give an account. <clears throat> and so even in death, Job shall have life. Because he has been found to be in the fold of God. And so also, those who repent and believe and trust in Christ, the final perfect sacrifice to accomplish the righteousness of sinners <clears throat> we may die but we will yet live in Christ and we will rest in Christ and to the righteous we shall shall go life eternal thank you for listening this has been the bread of the word podcast bread of the word is a podcast ministry striving to feed people the wonderful words of God book by book chapter by chapter and verse by verse, striving to let the word speak for itself. This ministry is also a member of the Truth and Love Network, a diverse fellowship of fellow podcasts of different theological backgrounds united in the gospel of God. For more from the Bread of the Word podcast or the Truth and Love Network, check out the links below and follow us on social media. Until next time, God bless. Matthew 4.4.